Okay. Well, that wraps up the preseason. Uh, thank God it's in the books. Um, wasn't the greatest. Uh, definitely was one to forget. Uh, and hopefully by next week, the Knicks are ready for the actual season because if these were four real games, um, they definitely have me concerned. So let's just say that. We're going to talk about the fourth game of the preseason in this episode, episode 567 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. Let's go. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down and the game is tied! Time! To the creates and shows some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Okay, well, let's talk about this one. Game four of the preseason, the preseason finale, the Dress rehearsal, as Thibodeau put it, in the books last night. Um, we are officially done with preseason, thank God. And um, last night, the Knicks at the Garden against the Wizards took a 131-106 loss. Um, there was no defense at all. Uh, not for the Knicks. Jordan Poole went off for 41 points. This is a guy who can score. Um, Mike Muscala can give you some offense, but the Knicks made him look like Dirk last night. Uh, 20-something points for him. Um, the Knicks were hot early on, um, especially from three-point land. Randall knocking down a couple. Randall had a very aggressive take to the hoop, too. One-handed slam in between a couple defenders. It's a good sign to see him be aggressive with the ankle and everything. He looks very healthy. Um, the ball was moving early on at least, uh, and then the Knicks offensively looked good. They they were up 31-29 after one second quarter comes, and they still can't really get stops. Uh, Muscala stays red hot, knocks down consecutive three-pointers. He hit his first five in a row. Uh, puts the Wizards ahead. And uh, the Knicks never saw the lead again after that. Jordan Poole gets very hot. He finishes the first half with 29 points. The Wizards go up 16 points at one point in the second quarter. Brunson and RJ are struggling mightily in the first half. And then by the end of the first half, it's 65-52 Washington. Third quarter, RJ does get hot. He finds a rhythm in the second half. Knicks cut it to two in the third quarter, and um, wow, the Rangers just the Rangers just tied this game up. It was three nothing Houston, and now it's three three. This is a good postseason game. Corey Seager, of course, non Yankee. Um, 
But basically, you know, it was all Wizards. They, they, they made a late run in the third quarter to push the deficit back up to 95-82 entering the fourth, and that was really it for the Knicks. There was just no defense. And defense is what I want to start with because it's something that's very concerning to me as we head into the regular season next week. Um, and it's, this is, again, this isn't me basing my opinion off of this preseason. Um, not only, like, they, they didn't play defense this preseason, um, but it really wasn't that. It was just I didn't see any difference in the way the Knicks played the defense, played defense. Um, and just with the way everything's trending, like with league offense getting better and better every year, offense keeps going up. And you look at the Knicks, they keep trending downward every year defensively. That's not a good sign. And, and it's statistically on the sheets. Their first year under Tom Thibodeau, the Knicks ranked fourth in defense. Their second year underneath him, they dropped to 11th. Last year, they dropped all the way down to 19th. And you could say, yes, they stepped it up in the playoffs, but we're not the Yankees. I shouldn't say that because they didn't make it. We're not in the position yet to where we could just say, all right, they'll step it up in the playoffs because we have to make the playoffs. The Knicks haven't just, you know, they haven't earned that yet to where they can just automatically cruise through the regular season. So the defense does concern me seeing what I saw in these four games, the way, again, it's about the way they played their defense. Um, last night, 131 points allowed to Washington, who was, they're probably going to be the worst team in basketball. They were without Kuzma and to allow 131 points at MSG. Just on a lot of similar mistakes that we see, you know, miscommunication on switches and non-switches, the Knicks were late on help. Sometimes they didn't even bother helping. They wouldn't even bring help in certain possessions. They just stopped caring, it seemed like. They were fouling instead of playing defense. Um, and then, you know, a big concern, Washington. They were playing five out at times, much like Boston did in these couple games, and much like they will. And the Knicks continue to struggle defending stretch fives off of those screens. We saw versus Boston, um, especially in the second game, in pick and roll, where Nick Biggs would expect the, scre the screener to roll. So they dropped, but the screener would pop. We saw KP hit a couple of threes because of that. Well, Mike Muscala devastated the Knicks last night, as he always does. The Knicks allowed 45 three-point attempts. On 44% shooting last night. The attempts is scary. Right? So preseason, yes. But 45 three-point attempts. We called that a Tuesday last year. <laughs> like, that's... The Knicks give up a ton of threes. Um, they put so much focus on protecting the paint. That they allow so many three-point attempts. And we, we've discussed this countless times before. Is that really the best idea for this era? Is that really the best idea for this roster? Right? Is that optimizing your young talent? Because the way I look at it, I look at it, 
you have Mitchell Robinson as the helper at the basket. You've got your safety valve there. And you have good perimeter defenders in Josh Hart and Emmanuel Quickly, who was nicked up last night. I don't know if they're foreshadowing something. Quinton Grimes, Dante DiVincenzo, those are all good perimeter defenders. But the way Tibbs schemes, those guys are cheating three, four steps inside the arc with one foot in the paint. So, you know, one pass over, we're relying on closeouts, but these guys are having trouble closing out that hard from where they are. Constantly late closing out. And I just, it was a whole, it's been a problem the last couple of years. I just, I really think we need to shake up the scheme here this year. Um, because the way, again, it's trending in a direction to where if we could see the defense regress even more. And if the offense regresses the slightest bit with the defense trending where it's trending, that's not a good sign. The Knicks are a playing team. Maybe worse. So that's concerning to me. Just the defensive scheme not being adjusted the slightest bit is a little concerning to me. Um, defensively, their size concerns me too. See guys try to box out. Guys are getting pushed off their spots a little too easy because we're not very big at guard. We're certainly not very big on the wings. And you saw that lineup, the, the death lineup, and this is in a negative manner, and I'm saying, where it's Brunson, RJ, Hart, Randall, and Mitch. Tibbs' favorite lineup. I. We know it's gross offensively, right? The, the spacing, the shooting, it's yuck. But it's small, too. Defensively. That's a tough ask. You got RJ, Brunson, Randall, your three top scorers, but they're also your three biggest biggest minutes earners. Try saying that three times fast. But the problem with that, they don't play great defense. And there's only so much hiding you can do when that's 60% of your starting lineup kind of makes me wish that Deuce McBride was just slightly decent offensively because he'd play and he'd make a huge impact if he could just give you consistently eight points, right? So, the defense is going to be the difference to me in this team being a 47-win team again finding that four seed, maybe the fifth seed at worst, versus this team being a playing team at best. The defense will be the swing factor, in my opinion. Because I think throughout the regular season, offense ebbs and flows, but they'll figure it out. They've got the offensive talent to score points. 
it's going to be the defense that really depicts where this team goes. And it's just not enough right now for me to be 100% optimistic that this team can repeat what they did last year and do better or do better. I, I think with this defense, there is a world out there where they're a playing seed. Um, I also want to talk about the offense. We've got some talking points to go over there. Uh, so we'll talk some more about this Knicks team, and we'll talk about the offense when we when we return from break. I don't want to spend too much time analyzing preseason games. I get that. So hopefully this can be an episode that's 30, 35 minutes tops. We'll see. But we're going to head to break real briefly. When we get back, we'll talk some... More Knicks basketball, and we'll talk about the offense specifically. Stay with us. Be right back. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening— then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Welcome back to BD4, episode 567 of the podcast. I appreciate you tuning in. I'm your host, R.J. Carbone. Um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about this offense. I'm still, the Grimes conflict is still very, very intriguing. It's very interesting to me. Um, again, I don't want to spend too long on this topic because... The season hasn't even begun yet, and I'm already kind of sick of talking about this. But Quentin Grimes, Grimes, literally the night before last night's game, he drains seven three-pointers against Boston. Last night, he got four total attempts from the field. That should never happen from your best three-point shooter on a team that Needs three-point shooting, okay? 17 minutes or 37 minutes. It shouldn't happen. Uh, you could even see the frustration on Grimes' face. There was one possession, I think it was early in the second half. Grimes' man rotates over to Randall to help. Randall's in the corner, and he just takes forever to shoot it. He finally drives baseline, ends up turning it over, of course. And Washington 
ends up knocking down a three-pointer on the other end. And you look at Grimes, he's just very frustrated the entire sequence. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it can't happen. And I'm not, like, it's also on him. He's got to be a little more assertive. He's got to make more effective reads. He's got to take those open looks he passes up. Sometimes he gets the ball and he's immediately attacking the closeout when I feel like he should just shoot the ball because he's got a very quick textbook release. He just need, he needs to be a little, bo- a little more aggressive at times. He's you know fourth in the pecking order among the starting unit. But sometimes I feel like he should be third over RJ. I think he's a better offensive player if he was given the usage that RJ is given. I really do. That might be a hot take to some of you, but I think he's more efficient. Um, I'm just... And, you know, part of it's on Tibbs, I feel. First and second for Houston. No outs. Here they go. But I'm still, you know, I'm not seeing much action with the second unit and Grimes playing with them. We're not seeing them stagger. It's frustrating. Literally the night before. 22 points, 7 threes made, 13 field goal attempts, and all of it came with a different unit. Because the regular stat. So why not experiment with that again in the preseason finale? Why not see that and be like, oh, okay, well, let's try it again here. Let's play him away from the starting lineup. But that's that's why it's tricky. This roster's clunky because a lot of guys have those tendencies. A lot of guys have those cons where they can't play with certain guys because... XX will happen. That's the tricky part about this roster. But I really do put Grimes above RJ. I feel like we should try and get Grimes some of the touches RJ gets. Um, RJ's a high-volume player. As Houston takes the lead. No. Bases loaded, no outs. Um, It's just... Like, if we haven't seen... Like, what was the preseason for? If we didn't see Grimes coming off screens and pin downs and V-cuts and L-cuts, etc. in the preseason, then why should I believe that Tom Thibodeau will start experimenting with that in the regular season when games matter? You know, if he hasn't really tried staggering Grimes' rotation minutes during those preseason games, then why, why should I expect him to do it starting next week when it matters? So... It's, again, I'll stop here because I don't want to beat a dead horse. We haven't played a single game, but I just hope it's something that we see change. Um, the lead guard play last night was a bit sloppy. It wasn't great. Brunson was off last night. He didn't have it. He was 3 for 12 shooting, had some turnovers. There was no Emmanuel quickly. So, you know, how many games will be like that where Brunson's not on and quickly is not playing? But it also says we do see how important those two guys are. Because the Knicks, they run a, a read and react offense under Tibbs. 
right? They get into their sets, they make their reads on the defense, and then they react to it, and then they get into their actions. But they just looked very sloppy without those two guys out there on their games. We know Randall isn't great when he gets too much on-ball responsibilities. He had a good game last night, but there were some very iffy moments in the final three quarters. Um, Dante DiVincenzo is a bit of a concern to me, seeing him be that tertiary ball handler. Uh, and I'm not just talking about last night, and I'm not even talking about the night prior to where he had six turnovers. But from what I've heard, Dante DiVincenzo, Dante DiVincenzo is not the cleanest ball handler. Uh, he's not exactly Derrick Rose who played that role for the Knicks his first two years under under Dibs. Like, Dante can run basic pick and roll, but that's kind of about where his limit is. And again, it's it's not too much of an issue because 9.9 times out of 10, Brunson and Quickly will be your two lead guards. Um, but it will be interesting to see how RJ plays into that off-ball role because he had a bad first half. And a better second half last night. And most of his good second half was as a lead ball handler. But RJ is going to continue to be off the ball more times than not again. Um, And, you know, how does he find success that way? Didn't have the greatest season last year. We know he struggles playing alongside Julius. And you don't really want to relegate him to that catch-and-shoot role because he's just not that guy. The COVID year when he shot 40% in that role, that was an anomaly. That was nonsense. You know, TJ Warren became Kevin Durant that year. I will give RJ one thing. He, He and Mitch continue to have that good chemistry together. First basket of the game. The Knicks ran an out-of-bounds play. RJ's coming off stagger screens, going left. He throws that one-handed lob to Mitch. Mitch throws it down. RJ's first basket of the game actually came out of a pistol set with Mitch. Mitch was screening and re-screening for him. RJ scores. They run the pistol action a lot together. They did that last year. I think it was midway through the third quarter. RJ and Mitch again, a little give-and-go action. RJ hesitation dribble. And he finishes out of a pick and roll with Mitch. Later in the third quarter, RJ makes a nice inside feed to Mitchell Robinson for a dunk. So we saw them connect. Um, But when RJ, where he gets into trouble when he's on the ball, is those straight line drives that we talk about. Right? Those Those straight line drives when he's going left. Those straight line drives when he's going right. Where he just, he'll force the shot over rim protectors and instead of looking to pass it. That's when he gets into trouble. So it's it's just about decision making for R.J. Barrett. It's about making the right rim reads, which is something that Tibbs is always emphasizing um, when, he, when it comes to R.J. And he didn't have any free throw attempts last night. He was 8 of 19. No free throw attempts. Three of eight from three, but we'll see. Um, I I think for this offense to be more efficient, 
given the limitations on some of these Knicks, it's important that Tibbs emphasizes more off-ball movement. I think the Knicks should put more emphasis on cutting and finding cutters. Utilize that backdoor cut a lot more. Isaiah Hartenstein's perfected that play. I can't speak tonight. You know, we, we actually saw Josh Hart and Dante DiVincenzo last night. Here we go. Last night, they flashed that, right, a little Nova connection. Josh Hart found Dante cutting baseline for a bucket. More on that in a second, though. Um, and, you know, and, and cutting, cutting effectively comes with good spacing. And for good spacing, we can't keep doing these double big lineups. Listen, Mitch looks ready. Um, Hartenstein looks ready. Even Sims has flashed some positive, though not a ton. But the dual big combo in the front court has got to stop. If you're running two bigs, one of them has to be named Isaiah Hartenstein. Because Jericho Sims in a two-big lineup can't be out there with Mitch. He should be at the five with iHeart at the four. Because Sims is your rim runner. Hartenstein offensively is your high-post playmaking hub who finds those cutters from the wings. He hits them on the block, gets their free layup. Hartenstein's also the Knicks' best screener. So you want him up there. It was interesting, though, because last night when the Knicks did run small and they had Josh Hart at the four and Hartenstein at the five, they gave Hart, like Tibbs gave Hartenstein that typical five-man role again, and then he had Hart play as that playmaker. I found that interesting because I don't want Hart being used like that. That's where he found Dante, but I feel like Hart isn't that. You know, I don't want them using Hartenstein like like that either because that's kind of where he struggled last year in the first half when they just threw him down in the restricted area and said, hey, play like a five. Because he doesn't play like a prototypical 90s five. He's more of a modern-day big man. He's up top near the key, at the nail, finding cutters, screening, running DHO. But I do think, bottom line, the Knicks would find it much more beneficial to move off the ball more, get some more cutting actions in there, use that backdoor pass. Um, but like I said, offense isn't my biggest concern. I think at the end of the day, they'll put points on the board. Maybe they'll regress a little tad bit, but I need the Knicks to show some progress defensively. How are they going to defend the first 10 games? They're going up a number of impressive uh, guards and wings. They play Boston twice in the first 10 games. So, we'll see what happens, man. I think that's it. I think that's all I have to say. Maybe we'll have another episode between now and um, opening night. As for Knicks-Wizards preseason game four, that's it. So we'll head to our final break. We'll get back and wrap this up with our trivia. And that'll be that. Let's go. 
All right, well, we won't have the break. We'll just do it now. Um, I hit the wrong button, so fuck it. Uh, true or false? The Knicks' win-loss record is below 500 in home openers, but above 500 in road openers. Is that true or false? True or false? The Knicks' win-loss record is below 500 in home openers, but above 500 in road openers. So let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout out on the next show. But that's it for this one. Like I said, we're going to try to keep it short, and we did. About a 30-minute episode. So I appreciate you stopping by. And I will see you on opening night, but maybe there'll be an episode or two out between now and then. Um, whether it be on the Knicks, maybe we'll throw some Yankee Yankees up. Uh, Maybe we'll throw some Yankees in there. Jesus Christ. I tell you, the amount of times I've stuttered tonight, I don't know what's going on with me. Maybe we'll do an MMA episode. It's been a bit. We do those on occasion here. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Episode 567 of BD4 is in the books, though. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees! And go Knicks.